When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence. This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. All right, welcome into the Sooner Sports Podcast. My name is Chris Plank. We call our Friday edition the tailgate because we're getting you ready for a big weekend. I would probably rephrase today's edition from the tailgate to the refresher because basically I have to accept as a diehard softball fan that not all of y'all have been following from day one like me and many others have. So part of the show today, we'll be looking back with three people that know this program well on the season that was. But for the diehards, we spent a little bit of time on looking back. But most of our focus is on where this team is today, where it stands in the national picture, and what's coming up next. Of course, the immediate answer to what's coming up next is Arkansas. The Super Regional, first time that the Hogs have been in the Super Regional. Their head coach, Courtney Dyfel, is a former Sooner grad assistant, standout player at Cal. She had some successful stops along the way, including uh, an incredible job at Louisville. So we'll talk a little bit about OU and Arkansas as we count down to that 4 o'clock first pitch later on today. But uh, more than anything... We're just talking in general about Sooner Softball today. So thanks for downloading. Thanks for subscribing. As always, if this is your first time hearing the Sooner Sports Podcast, we drop two to three episodes every single week. We'll slow down a bit during the summer, maybe down to one every other week. But when we're in football season, you get the game plan on Tuesday with Toby and myself, Jessica Cootie, Meg McDonald with their show on Wednesday. And then I'm back with you on Friday for the tailgate where we preview everything going on in the world of Sooner Athletics. So thanks for downloading. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. Let's get after it with three great guests. 
We kick the show off today with one of my favorite guys on the planet. I can say that knowing good and well that he's not listening. He is JT Gasso. He is the hitting coach. He is a uh, in his third season, and all he's done in his first two seasons, win national championships. It's not that easy, y'all, but he makes it look easy because he's the best at what he does. And when we caught up with JT, started by just asking about the week that was because the Sooners are no stranger to preparing for a Super Regional. No, it's it's business as usual. And and the one thing that's pretty unique about Super Regionals is you know exactly what you're going to prepare for. So um, I think that's, you know, our, our practices have been revolved around Arkansas. We don't have to worry about any other teams. So um, it, it's it's been a really good week of practice. And I know everyone's been getting their work in and, um, uh, fine tuning some things, uh, on, on every end defense, pitching, hitting, and, uh, just getting ready. So it's going to be, it's going to be fun. I know this sounds crazy, but there's people that aren't all in from the start of the season. Like, uh, like I am as a fan and obviously as you are as invested. So for those that are just now jumping on the bandwagon, we welcome you all. It's fun. It's softball. You're going to dig it and be addicted. But what would you say has been the story of this team so far, JT in 2018? I think the man <laughs> real easy question here, right out of the gates. My bad. <laughs> I, I think the, one of the stories that, that we try and, uh, or maybe the mindset that we try and take every day is, is just trying to be great and trying to get better every day and really valuing the time that we have with each other and, and with these seniors and, and just as a team. And I think that's, one of the differences from uh, from this year is to years past is really we're really valuing um, this time that we have. So I think I think maybe the the story is just being great every day and just trying to um, go in with with the the same attitude of just wanting to work and get better and do all those things that that get you closer as a team. Feel like every year, uh, in this being your third season, winning back-to-back titles, it's a it's always fun, and I spend more time than I know anyone else does looking back. You know, the first year from just being such a young team to the second year fighting through some adversity in the middle of the season. JT, I feel like this team is is a great blend of having fought through some adversity, overcoming it, and you know maybe even some of those games that. Maybe the Wichita State game earlier this year is a good a good example. Maybe in 2016, maybe in 2017, that's a game they don't win. But this team really seems to they really seem to understand themselves. They know what they're capable of. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah, and that's one of the things that you go uh, you go through as a team is now we we are experienced and they know and you uh, you you get the underclassmen on the same page and. I think just kind of those experiences that we're building are really uh, good for the, like we said, the younger kids to learn. And, uh, and the upperclassmen have done a really good job of, of teaching those lessons and getting everyone um, to learn how to compete and how to just to go about their business and, uh, and compete. So, JT, let's talk real quick about Jocelyn because, I mean, it, you had the great line from Jessica Cootie's feature about her wrestling background and how the only wrestling you knew was Macho Man and Hulk Hogan. Same, same for me. But what an incredible athlete. And I think if if people just get caught up in her home runs, 
they're really missing what makes her special. Yeah, the home runs are amazing, but she's hitting over 400. Her patience at the plate and not being someone who doesn't like taking walks. The evolution of Jocelyn as a hitter has been a fun thing to see this year. Yeah, and you know that's one thing that that we tell her every day is you know what on this team that you don't have to do it all on your own. We don't just tell her; we tell everyone this is a true team. And I think she understands that you know she can take a walk because Shade Knighton's behind her. Uh, she can live with the sack fly because she scored a run uh, for for the team, and and she just she's not being. Um, She's not determining her self-worth based on uh, her outcomes and her performance. It's just about being a great teammate and being a Sooner. And I think that humbleness is really evident when you see her every day and just how she uh, how she prepares and practices and how she plays. Um, she's an ultimate competitor, but at the same time, she's just a great teammate, too. And it seems like she's comfortable wherever she is in the lineup. I know that for part of the season, Coach had decided to try her in the leadoff spot, then moved her to the two spot. And now recently, we've been seeing or moved her to the three spot. Recently, we've seen her more in that two spot. What a nice little combo to have Sid in the one, <laughs> Jocelyn in the two. And then you have Shay Knight, who is probably one of the hottest hitters on the team right now, usually in that three spot. And then you could add a bevy of players there at four. But man, Nicole Penley really seems to be embracing that role. Yeah, well, that's that's the thing. Nikki P is Nikki postseason. That's <laughs> that's, what it, that's what it that's what the P stands for at this time of year. I know, um, just everyone's locked in, and just having having those four at the top, it's just it it's pretty scary to have to go through those because you know you're not going to get through all of those three times through a lineup without one of them, at least one of them doing damage. And we're talking about on, on a bad day. So, um, and then just behind them having the five through nine doing what they do and they're creating chaos. And it's, it's a fun lineup because it's, there's just no, to me, I feel like there's, there's not a lot of breaks and um, it's, it's cool to see them take on those, those roles and, and, it's it's kind of intimidating once once you look at it you know when 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 I'm watching uh, previous games or I'm watching replays it's like oh like you you know something's about to happen even if you don't know or even if you can't remember what's happening you feel like something's always going to happen with this one <laughs> it's been it's been really fun um, these past couple of weeks seeing them do their thing. One player who obviously gets overlooked if you base things just on the stats might be Aaliyah Wodak. But JT, it seems since about the maybe even before the Texas series that every time there's something happening, Leah Wodak seems to be in the middle of it. I know that's very general, but whether it's reaching on an air, taking a walk, hit by a pitch, uh, laying down a bunt, if it's a squeeze bunt, if it's a sack fly, I it's again, I know her average isn't where she wants it to be. But from the perspective of just being involved in jump-starting rallies, 15's been pretty huge for this team down the stretch. Yeah, and you know it's it's one of the things that she really prides herself on being effective without having to get a hit. And so I know sometimes some people might think of that and and think, well, then what's you know what's the point if you're not getting a hit? But for <laughs> her, walk, hit by pitch, all the extra stuff, she she does really well at. And I know she's had some at-bats that were so clutch this postseason. She, I, I want to say she had one against Tulsa 
that was just a little base hit. And yep. then and then Sid gets on and then Jossie hits a home run. And it, it changes the game because of a, a hit here or a like just exactly like you said, hit uh reach on error, hit by pitch, walk, all all the, the small things. She is really setting the tone for that the uh the top of the lineup to come in and, and uh score her. And then uh, obviously Kelsey What's the mindset that goes into when she wants to bat right or when she's going to go up there and try to get on base? Because, JT, I know that there hasn't been uh, a a big hit from the right side of the plate necessarily like we've seen at times last year. But it seems as if whenever I watch Kelsey Arnold, whether it's the left or the right side, she seems very comfortable right now. Yeah. And, you know, that's one thing. Credit Janie Reed, our volunteer with working on her from the left side. She she just does so good. She's gotten so much better from the left side and putting balls in play, um, hitting her spots with her slap and just getting on base. Uh, one one thing that I think it does when she moves over to the right side, usually not going to see her lead off an inning like that. Um, the reason why we do it is usually there's somebody on base and it it just keeps the defense from. Um, the defense and the pitcher from uh, no like changes their game plan a little gotcha. bit. Yeah. If you come in um, thinking, Oh, it's slapper here. Well, she's going to hit, go from the right side. And if you miss over the plate, she's going to hit it hard. So that's, that's kind of the idea behind that. Um, and, and, you know, she can still bunt from the right side and, and do some good things from there. But uh, usually what we'll do is so just so we don't have to burn a pinch runner or sorry, a pinch hitter in that spot. Um, We'll, if we come up with a RBI situation and we feel it's right and the matchups there, she'll, she'll just hit. So um, it's, it's cool to see her really embrace that role and, and just becoming, having another option and another tool uh, that just creates absolute ha- or havoc on defenses. Pinch hitters have been fantastic this year. Uh, I was, I was looking at the numbers and they're ridiculous from whenever you give someone an opportunity and it really appears as if JT, a couple of those who have taken the most advantage of that, we'll just start with Reagan Rogers. And I feel like you and I have talked maybe four or five times on the radio and on the podcast during the season. And every time Reagan Rogers name comes up and it shows you just how good this lineup is, that it's been a challenge for her to get probably the at bats that she wants, or maybe that you even want to get her. But man, what an improvement that that young woman has made from the first time she stepped on campus. Oh yeah. And she's, she's one of the hardest working kids on the team. And I know a lot of kids on our team are working hard. That's not saying that they're not, but she is, she is, her work ethic is just beyond what you're going to see in a lot of people. So, um, you know, one, one of the things that we try and do is when these pinch hitters step up, we try and give them the best matchup. And the one thing that Reagan's done is she, she has matchups all over the place. Um, there's, she doesn't have a lot of holes in her swing, and when she comes up, she she knows the game plan. She knows what she's trying to do. She knows what the pitcher's doing. Like, she's locked in even when she's not playing. And I think that's a really tough spot to be in. But it just kind of shows the type of kid she is by being able to step in no matter what and just wanting to execute and perform for the team. 
All right, two more quick ones, and I'll let you run. Speaking yeah. of pinch hitters, Kylie Lundberg has been clutch this season. But the one thing I notice about Kylie, and, and Coach brought this up a couple weeks ago when we had her on, it's almost like she's an extra set of eyes, almost like she's an extra hitting coach there next to JT. It seems like she is so involved in the game while standing on that top step. I mean, what a teammate to have on that, uh, on that, in that dugout for this Sooner squad. Yeah, she she does really good with just wanting to to learn be in the game because right. you'll see a lot of uh, a lot of teams out there who maybe their their kids who aren't getting a lot of the bats who are in that pinch hitting role they'll just check out and so then by the time that they they do get that opportunity they're not ready she's always ready and it's kind of the same thing we were talking about with Reagan um, Kylie is the from where she's come as a freshman is just unbelievable she is she works hard she does stuff on her own um even if she's not getting as many opportunities as maybe she would like she's always ready and we know she's reliable and um she's clutch that's just the one thing about her too is she's clutch and if she does get out it's allowed out and it's she's never fooled i've i've never seen her be completely fooled or just overmatched by anyone so you know look for her to do some some uh some damage this postseason. Yeah, I agree. Hey, and then a final thought. I, I feel like I've almost gone through everyone in the lineup, but the last few weeks have seen somewhat of a, a, a resurrection of Nicole Mendez at the plate, if you will. And I know that at times this season, you guys have challenged her. You've, uh, you've put Reagan in the starting lineup. You've moved her up and down. But to see the way, again, much like Leah Wodak, to see the way that she's responding and to see the way that she's just seemingly involved. I mean, she was on base, what, four times this weekend, and two of those were by airs. And that's her hustling and just making plays. Yeah, and that's one of the things with Mendez is she she's still considered, I guess, quote-unquote, an underclassman. And, and that's not saying anything about her maturity level or anything. Just one of the things that, you know, as an athlete, you got to really realize is that you're going to have – um, you're not always going to have 400 years, you know, with however many RBIs, home runs, on base percentage, all that. You know, law of averages is going to tell you that you're going to be down a little bit and you're going to be up a little bit. So I think her realizing that, um, you know, that's going to happen. She's not always going to going to be where um, she was in previous years, and that's kind of where our mindset's been is keeping her in the now. And ever since the light bulb clicked. She's just been absolutely raking. And I know in practice she is on a tear. And I, I think this this weekend she's going to do a lot of good things. Um, I just think her mindset of um, competitiveness and just overall work ethic of, of you know, fixing things and, and wanting to get better is, is just going to show. And you've seen it over these past couple weekends where her performance has just gone through the roof. So – um, I, I would say, yeah, Mendez is is big time contributor and it just kind of links. I know her and Cece link the two, the top of the order, the bottom of the order together. So um, when she's on, I mean, she's unstoppable and it just makes everyone else kind of click as well. JT's great. Uh, he's one of my favorite people on the planet, and I'm excited to see what this team has in store 
for the upcoming weekend against the Arkansas Razorbacks. Now, another one of my favorite people, Kenny Mossman, joins us. He is the administrator for Sooner Softball. And I wanted to get Kenny on to not only get an update on where things are from the stadium perspective, but there aren't many people closer to this program than Kenny Mossman. And obviously, he's seen a lot of special in this team in 2018. Yeah, it, it, it was. I think the, the record... Um seem to multiply extremely quickly and you look down, there's only three losses and you're like, Whoa, that's, that's really, really good. Um, so I think that, that certainly was something that, that, uh, I don't know if crept up on us is the right term, but, um, it, it sure seemed to, uh, to escalate quickly. Um, but, um, you know, I think probably the thing that sticks out to me, uh, the most about this season was the integration of, uh, Jocelyn Alo to the team. Amen. Um, you know, I, obviously it's nice that you have someone who can, hit home runs, uh, as often as she does. But, uh, it, to me, it goes far beyond that. It's just, it, it was such a seamless addition of her into the chemistry of the team. And, uh, and she appears to be extremely comfortable with the players. They, they appear to be very comfortable with her. And you've got a, a team that she came to that already had a lot of accomplished stars, if you will. And, um, and true to what you would expect from this team, there's just, there's no ego. They, they're very accepting, accepting of another player who comes in and, and performs well. And they, uh, and they connect with her on a personal level. And to me, that's, that's been the thing that I've probably enjoyed the most about this particular season. But that, uh, that can be attributed to something that both you and I probably enjoy the most, not just about this team, but the program. And that is, you know, you, you hear all the time, oh, that's just a great group of people. But this it truly fits with what Coach Gasso, Coach Lombardi, and JT, and so many others have integrated in this program. They're just as special off the field, Kenny, as they are on the field. Yeah, and I and I think that's by design. There's probably more that goes into that than we realize. One of the things that I know Patty does is that when she brings a prospect to campus, uh, it's almost like an interview process in some respects, in that she really wants input from the current team players to uh, determine whether this new player is a good fit or not. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why you see these personalities mesh so well and why you see this this great chemistry. And, and you don't have to, to get that close to the team to, to see it. They obviously like each other quite a bit. And it's a team that's devoid of, of clicks and, and uh, other things that can cut it at team harmony. And, uh, and I think a lot of that goes back to the recruiting process. I think she, I think Coach Gasso is very careful about the kind of personalities that she recruits, and I think she listens very well to the team, the, to the players who are already on the team, um, to make sure that they feel comfortable when a new player is being added. And and so the end result is you wind up with a team that gets along very well. Yeah, and uh, and it's not just an act. You know, it's not just something that two guys that are around this team a lot are are, are saying, oh, yeah, it happens. It legit happens. Um, With that in mind, as the administrator for softball, it had to make you feel pretty special whenever you saw not just how quickly regional, but even faster with super regional tickets. It's like WrestleMania. These tickets are going <laughs> so quickly, Kenny. How awesome was that? Now it's been it's been very rewarding to watch that happen and and the thing that's that I enjoy the most about that is watching the players react to it. Um, there's such a great uh, bond between the the players on this team and the fan base that um, I think everybody feels like they're part of this and that that's that's really a, a neat feature of of the program. But we appreciate our fans so much. I I you know I understand that it's easier to follow a, a proven winner, but but by the same token, um, they don't just show up. They, they are in the stadium. They're part of the 
atmosphere. They create an environment that is very conducive to our continued success, and and uh, we're very excited about them. And that's, you know, that's one of the reasons why we're so um, aggressively looking at what we can do from a facilities perspective to uh, try to accommodate even more of them. And uh, uh, but but based but what we've seen now has just been terrific, and we're we're so very grateful for the response that we've seen to this team. And and the fan and you mentioned the players, even Leo Wodak with the air guitar. Uh, jumping out of the dugout, trying to get the crowd in the game. You see the fans, the players not only appreciate it, Kenny, but they want to be involved right there with them. Oh, they do. I, I, it's it's a real love affair. I think it's 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 neat. And, and one of the nice things about softball is that it's played in a venue uh, that is not so large that you lose that connection. Um, it's It's scaled to a point where you really can have that face-to-face interaction between the fans and, and the players. And you can get right up close and and um, I think that helps our fans feel like, hey, I've got a relationship here. And the players, as you mentioned, feel that feel the same way. And, I, and that's one of the things that I think our fans have to always remember. Our athletes in any sport feed off the enthusiasm of, of, of the fans. And I've heard Lon Kruger talk about that so frequently. Every coach uh, believes that. And that's why fans cannot underestimate their role. And that's why as an administrator, as a marketer, um, our hope is that when it comes time for our fans in any sport to purchase a ticket, that, that we hope they understand that, yes, it's, an, it's their entertainment dollar, but it also is paramount to our success, if not financially, just emotionally right. <laughs> because of the way, our athletes, the way our athletes feed off of that. And I, I hope our fans will continue to recognize that, and, and I hope that enthusiasm will you you had mentioned uh, the process of going through the renovations, Kenny. You've you've been a part of so many facility upgrades. What has this been like for you on the softball side of things? Well, it's been, um, you know, it's, it's had positives and negatives. We of course we wish we could have done it all yesterday. Um, <laughs> and I and I'm not sure that our fans always understand that. I think sometimes I'll have a conversation with a fan, and it's almost like they feel like that that. Um, we we've delayed it for because we enjoy delaying it. And obviously that's not true. Right. Um, but you know, we're, we have to cash flow our department from, you know, responsibly and especially in today's climate um, funding is, is more scrutinized than it's ever been before. And it's, and it's more difficult than it's ever been before. And when we took on the South end zone project in football, you know, we bet off $160 million project. Well, that comes with a considerable amount of debt service. And so we, we have to like, like all of us sit down with our checkbook a few times during the month, we, we do the same thing and we have to sit down and spend money when we can do it responsibly. And, uh, and so, but I think we're starting to see some acceleration now as it comes to softball. And, uh, and I think you're going to see some, some exciting movement on that in the not too, not too distant future. Can't wait. Kenny, as, as the administrator for softball, we see the incredible growth of this sport. Uh, TV uh, ratings are high. The desire for more coverage. Where do you want to see that next le- leap made? for the sport in general? I mean, again, is it, is it more TV? Is it something from the way in which, I don't know, it's umpired or the regionality of it? Where do you want to see that next leap? What needs to be that next leap for this sport to take the next step? Well, I, I think probably the next leap is uh, wider acceptance among mainstream media. Um, I, I think this is one sport um, 
where the fan interest has run ahead of the media following. And I, I, I have to set ESPN aside from that because I, I do think ESPN has played a significant role in helping to bring softball to the national stage. Amen. But I still think you see some other um, national media who have not gotten on board with it yet. And I think for for the sport to take the next step in terms of visibility, that's that's the next hurdle that we have to jump. And I and I think it's very doable. Um, the, the TV numbers, the attendance figures, uh, the amount of money that's being poured into facilities now, all, all of those things are going to generate um, enough noise that I think at some point the, the media are going to jump on board with it. And, you know, it's I've been very excited that uh, if you look around our state, I think our state media has actually gotten there. Um, the Tulsa world, the, the Oklahoma and the Norman transcript all had, you know, lead reporters covering the regional here in Norman and, and have covered the team throughout much of the of the season. So um, but I, I, if you said, OK, that's the next big step, what's the next big step forward? And I always look at it from a visibility standpoint. And to me, it's it's getting more of the national media to understand the enthusiasm and the groundswell uh, that we're starting to see with this sport. Once you watch it, you can't stop. Once you get invested, it's yeah. it's truly an addicting sport. Kenny, I know your time's precious, so I'll let you go on this. At what moment did you realize how special this freshman class was with Sid Romero, Shane Knighton, Kaylee Clifton, uh, Fale of you, and to see where they are now as juniors? Did you did you know the first time you had an opportunity to really sit and chat with them? Well, I, you know, I'd like to say that I did, but I, I don't. I, that'd probably be a fib. I, you know, I think probably for me, it was like a lot of our other fans. When that group rose up and won a national championship together, um, you just don't see that out of a group of freshmen. And it, it certainly signaled the fact that, hey, this is a special, special group. And, uh, and then you, you start to get the more personal investment with them of, of what kind of people they are. And then it all makes sense because – um, that the, their depth is what results in their success. And, uh, and so um, it, was, it was probably a, a through that World Series where I think I finally you know, got shaken by the lapels a little bit and, and, made, <laughs> un, and made, made to understand, hey, this is a special group of kids. And uh, you know, I, I, this year's senior day was, was hard for me. I, um, I normally stay in the dugout. I, I sat out in the, in the bullpen that day kind of all by myself because I didn't want to see people – I didn't want people to see the basket case I was going to become, and uh, and next year is going to be the same, if not even more so. So, these these two senior classes, all of them are special. I love all the kids who have come through this program, but these two have certainly been special, and and uh, I try not to think about them not being here. Kenny's great, you know. It, I'm not here in Norman today without Kenny Mossman. We're probably not doing this podcast without the vision of Kenny Mossman, and. I, I know that we're probably not doing radio play-by-play of every game without the foresight and the thinking of Kenny Mossman. So I'm very much grateful to him, his staff, and their hard work, and we appreciate him coming up, uh, coming on the Sooner Sports Podcast. Now, we'll wrap things up with one of my uh, favorite reads, one of my favorite listens, because I don't just call the games. I live softball during this time of year. I listen to the seven innings podcast from ESPN, and I find myself listening a lot to the In the Circle podcast and checking out fastpitchnews.com. Eric Lopez has a passion that's shared for softball, and he joins us right now on the Sooner Sports Podcast. Uh, Eric, first and foremost, I just I kind of wanted you to give everyone a bit of a background, what you do, 
what the fastpitchnews.com is all about and how we can listen to you regularly talk about a sport we all love. Yeah, I mean, uh, certainly uh, Fast Pitch News, we cover everything softball-related, college softball, club softball, uh, NPF softball, international softball. We've done it all. We covered the Junior World Championships that were in Clearwater last summer where wow. the United States won. Obviously, this is a very important summer with World Championship qualifying. Because now softball's back in the Olympics in Tokyo in 2020. And this summer's qualifications will go a long way in figuring out who's going to be in Tokyo for the Olympics. So we cover that. But obviously, college is the big game. It's the big one that we cover. It's postseason going on right now. In the circle, it's the podcast. We can talk about everything. And then the way I kind of compare it, think of it as a you know a sports talk show for softball only. i mean that's that that's really the concept to be honest and that's something that me and my co-host victor anderson came up with maybe about three years ago like you know what it would be cool if somebody actually talked about the sport like you know like they we do in you know other sports and sports talk so that's kind of how the concept came and it grew and uh we've been very fortunate we've grown a lot and uh we have a lot of loyal fans and it's been it's been a blast so this time of year we, we just had jt gasso on this time of year, Eric, is when in our state, outside of the diehards, you start having a lot of fans that take notice because it's postseason time. We talk generally about the Sooners a bit with JT. I'm curious from your perspective, as we prepare for super regional action, what do you think has been the big storylines in the sport of college softball this year? What's kind of driven your show and driven the headlines when it comes to softball in the uh, NCAA ranks? Yeah, I think there's really not one. To, I mean, obviously the 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 Missouri story where they uh, bought out Wichita State, oh. five, you know, five thousand dollars to basically make sure they stayed on five hundred. That was a very hot topic when that happened. Uh, so you know, a lot of people there. The the illegal pitch and the obstruction rules in the sport has kind of been a, a topic that's kind of reared its head. The you know the kind of the, the inconsistencies of how that's been called, especially by umpires. We saw that with the regionals in Athens. Uh, with Northwestern getting called for a lot of uh, deals. And then, you know, some of the off-season stuff is about the really is what really is going to pick up. Of course, this week with Texas's job opening, uh, that that's certainly a big, big story with Connie Clark stepping down. So uh, the off-season stuff's are really going to pick up with where, what, where coach could possibly end up in Texas, what coach could end up in Missouri. So uh, a lot of that stuff also carries it. So it's a little bit of a mixture. Uh, of the on the field stuff and you know the SEC and then should they have every team in the field and <laughs> can Oklahoma three peat but then you have the off season you know the, some of the stuff off the field like who's going to be the new head, next head coach at Tech? Hey, I'm I'm glad you brought that up because that's a very interesting storyline when when we played Texas, I believe that was the next to last week of the regular season. A couple of the the people that had covered the team had said, hey, this is a possibility that if they don't end up making a bit of a postseason run, this could be it for Connie. And in fact, they said it might not even matter. It's a pretty amazing run, is it not, Eric, when you think about somebody who has been the only head coach in the history of that program. She's the only head coach that Texas has had. And now, I mean, again, they're they're behind on facilities. You're playing in a conference that is Features one of the best teams. I mean, they're the two-time defending national champs and, you know, look real good heading into a potential third run. But it's it's an interesting conference. I think I think they're going to have their pick. I think it's going to be a pretty wanted opening as far as big-time college softball is concerned. I agree. I was told prior to the Seattle Regional from a source in, the, in near Texas that she had to win the Seattle Regional to come back. Oh, wow. That's what I was told. Um, and I've also been told 
that Texas is ready to spend really close to a million dollars if that's wow. what it takes to get a big name coach. And this is, look, not because I'm talking to you right now, but I think a big part of this is the fact that Oklahoma, the success that Patty Gasso has had, the fact that the Sooners have won the last 15 meetings, you know this, in that rivalry, that doesn't sit well with Longhorn fans and boosters. It doesn't. Add to the fact that you had Texas A&M, who has knocked them out uh, previous to this year, in the last couple of years in the regionals. They went to the Women's College World Series last year. Baylor has been to the Women's College World Series last year. That just doesn't sit well with Texas fans. And, you know, Texas hasn't been to a Super Regional since 2013. And I think what we're seeing now, and I think what we're going to see this offseason, Chris, and I think we started seeing this a little bit last year, is we're seeing more schools now invest in the sport of softball, which means coaches are about to get taken care of. And I think Texas is going to be the signature position for that because if it's true that they go, they want to pay up to a million dollars, there's going to be a major head coach that's going to say, wow, yeah, I know there's some flaws with that job, but sign me up to a million dollars. And that's going to be fascinating to see who ends up in Austin because that could open up a domino's effect of other jobs opening up and maybe some jobs that we would not have expected to open to open because that coach says, you know what, uh, I could turn around that Texas program. I heard Tim Walton's name thrown around, and uh, that yep. that would be very interesting to see if they could end up getting into that conversation because, I mean, he's done a heck of a job, obviously, at Florida, and we were familiar with him during his time at Oklahoma. But do you see that type of name? Yes, I've heard the same name. Wow. I think that's their number one candidate. Uh, and you, I mean, if you're going to spend, look, if you're going to spend a million dollars, you might as well try to get the best, right? <laughs> so you might get the coach that has been just as successful as Patty Gasso. And Tim is that, I mean, Tim has done a tremendous job at Florida. Obviously you mentioned his, you know, he, he's pit, you know, played at Oklahoma has coached at Oklahoma. So he knows the region. Uh, you know, that that's, if you're Tim Walton, that's a big question is, is that, do you want a new challenge? Or do you use Texas as leverage to get a you know a bigger deal at Florida? Now, Florida did announce this year that they're renovating their stadium, and that was a big issue. I know Tim has talked about that in the past, about renovating the stadium, and they finally have done that. So, you know, I, if I'm Tim, I don't know if he does that. He's got a family. Are they happy in Gainesville? I, I could see, you know, but here's the thing. Even if he's not interested, if you're a major coach, you're going to use Texas to your advantage. Oh, yeah. Even if you're not interested – Guess what? You're going to make it sound like you're interested because, <laughs> hey, boss, this Texas just offered me close to a million dollars. What do you got for me? <laughs> you know? So you're going to use this as leverage, just like we see in other sports. I think there's no question. I think there's. I think he's a name that's going to be loaded. I think Mike White. I make this joke actually on the most recent episode I recorded of uh, in the circle. I said, if you make it to the women's college world series. Odds are you're going to be on Texas's list. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, that's the kind of that's kind of how I think Texas is going to shoot for. And I could see a name. Here's the thing. Even if some of those big names turn it down, I could see a name like, how about Mike Smith yeah. and the job he's done at Ole, Ole Miss. Miss? Yeah. I, I, so I think Texas is definitely going to be very serious about this. And I think it's not an accident. I believe them that they might go close to a million dollars because that's, you know, kind of what Patty's kind of making at Oklahoma. So mm-hmm. they realize – if we want to beat the, our rivals, we got to get the best coach out there that we feel that could challenge Pat. All right, so now that we've caught everyone up on the storylines outside of the Super Regional and what's kind of led to this moment, Eric, let's focus on the Sooners here real quick. 
sometimes I'm, I'm way too close to the fire. You know, I, I, I love everything about him. So <laughs> I need you to give me a little altitude and, and give me a little bit more perspective on this. What's caught your eye? What's really stood out about this 2018 version of the Sooners? You know, it's, it caught my eye is this is their best season they've had historically. And the reason I'm, and the reason I'm surprised by that, it, it, I feel like that's kind of gone under the radar. Um, I have felt, and I'm not saying this again, I'm not saying this because you're, you know, I'm on your show here. <laughs> I felt that the 2013 Sooners was the best team I ever saw on the field. I thought that team destroyed everybody. So when I found out that this team actually was had a better record than that team, I was shocked. Um, and I don't know if I'm here. And that, that it just tells you that we're watching something historic. And I think people have taken it for granted for whatever reason. It might be just because as sports fans now, we just take winning teams for, for granted, right? Like we just take the Patriots for granted. We take the Warriors for granted. Uh, whatever. We, we just take it for granted. Uh, you've got maybe the freshman of the year who looks like could be the next superstar of the sport. Um, it's just amazing how they keep getting talent. That being said, Look, they're gonna. This is gonna be not easy. Uh, yeah. I, I don't, you know, I don't think this is, you know, I think Arkansas has, I think one of the best pitchers in the country, and Mary Half, who I think should have won SEC Freshman of the Year. This kid's legit, and I think Sooner fans will see that up close. And then if you, you know, if you're if Oklahoma's fortunate enough to get back to Women's College World Series, I think a team like Oregon that you got to see up close, oh, I yeah. think they're real, and I think yeah. they're a legitimate threat to Oklahoma. I think they're the biggest threat. You've got a team. You know, either UCLA or Arizona, I think, are threats. And Florida's a threat. You know this. Yeah. I mean, that series last year could have gone either way with a swing of the bat, either way. So uh, it's going to be fascinating, you know, to see if Oklahoma can finish off and, and, and make history. But I, it's not going to be easy. They're going to get everybody's best punch, I think, from here on out. Yeah, and then, you know, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Florida. People, Speaking of teams that people forget about, all they did was go out and win the SEC title from the postseason tournament and then swept through their regional as well, too. Still crazy to me. They were down, what, two zip in that game to Ohio State and scored 10 unanswered runs. Kind of Sooner-esque from what you've seen from Florida. And then, yeah, real quick, final thought. You kind of started touching on it, Eric, but the whole field. You know, if we pull back and we, again, take a, a big look, those biggest contenders to Oklahoma, it's everywhere. It's Oregon. It's Florida, as you mentioned. If if Arizona gets by UCLA, Arizona's got to feel pretty confident because yes. they shut out Oklahoma earlier this year. So yep. the contenders, a lot of the same names, but all the favorites made it through the regional action, and I'm willing to bet that you're going to see a little bit more competition this weekend in all the super regional sites. I agree. I mean, I'll give you another team. Arizona State, oh, that yeah. maybe a lot of people talk about, but G. Juarez is as good as anybody in the country pitcher. I saw her up in the Junior World Championships lead the United States to a gold medal. So, I mean, potentially, and again, we, we got to get you got to get through first the super regional. But right. let's say chalk holes. Let's say chalk holes. Oklahoma is going to have to go through probably Washington or Alabama, which we know the history between Oklahoma and Alabama. Yep. <laughs> uh, that then possibly Oregon. I mean, that's the bracket that you're possibly in if chalk holds. That is not an easy draw. Uh, at all for a, a team like Oklahoma to try to repeat and try to get to stay on that winner's bracket. And, you know, it's, it's just, I think it's going to be a fascinating uh, series here. I thought the regionals kind of lacked some drama this year uh, in, in most parts, except for maybe uh, Louisiana and uh, L.A. when UCLA surprisingly was forced into an if-necessary deal against a Cal State Fullerton team that really gave them all they could handle. But 
I, I think the, the drop is going to pick up here in the Super Series recurrently and then in the Women's College World Series. And, uh, it'll be fascinating to see the Sooners. I think the biggest key, obviously, let me just say this. Paige Lowry's been phenomenal. She's been great. And, I don't, and I think she needs to get more credit because she has been incredible as a closer, and I thought she was tremendous against Tulsa when Paige Parker wasn't available because of her uh, accident off the field. I mean, that's, that's still tremendous. The, the depth is tremendous. But we all know Paige Parker. Paige Parker, you know, got to be Paige Parker. And I think that's going to be the key for the Sooners uh, if they want a three-peat. Hey, Eric, I said one more, but I love kind of getting you riled up with this. <laughs> as, as this sport continues to grow in popularity and you hear the numbers that are thrown around, are we getting closer to it taking its selection process a little bit more serious for the postseason? No. And and I and I bring it up, A, because obviously I, I listen to your podcast regularly and, and I heard the episode after the selection show. And then I, I guess I found myself even a little bit more enraged whenever I was reading. There was an interview that the selection committee chair did. And she talked about how, you know, I wasn't always a big fan. I would watch softball. Now I'm a huge fan. And I'm thinking if anyone said that about any other sport, well, I didn't always watch it, and now I'm all into it, we would be losing our minds. So are, are we getting closer to getting some clarity on the selection process? Oh, my God. I, I wish I could say yes, but I, I every year, honestly, Chris, I get a little more discouraged and frustrated because the sport has grown. You, there's actually more ways you can watch the game, and yet I feel like the committee doesn't watch games or doesn't pay attention to detail. And, you know, the thing that was upsetting to me is the committee chairman saying when there was asked about Missouri and their situation and what they did buying out Wichita State for $5,000 and adding Arkansas Pine Bluff just to, to stay 500 and they said that's a non-issue. <laughs> a non-issue from a, a person that works in a university? Are you kidding me? Um, that's very disturbing uh, that they can't understand that. And, and, and and I said this too. We got to stop rewarding teams that are 500 teams overall. I don't care. The RPI is a is a tool, and I think it's useful. But I think for whatever reason, the softball committee uses that way too much. Like there's no no other sport, Chris. You tell me. You follow sports. Yeah. What other sport would a 500 team not only make the field but comfortably make the field and yeah. be a two seed like yeah. Oregon State and Missouri was, which is absolutely outrageous. Um, and it was terrible, and, and I'm not going to lie. I enjoyed the fact that Oklahoma took care of them and the fact that Paige Lowry was there. I just it, I just don't think that's good for the sport. The sport has grown. There's a lot of good teams. But, yeah, I just don't have confidence in the in the, the qualifications of the people that are making this decision in softball. And I hope that in the future they get more attention. I will say this. I like the fact that finally this year – we actually heard from the committee chairman and was actually interviewed on the selection show. And we actually saw interviews with her because in the past they wouldn't even talk. I mean, last year, for example, when Minnesota didn't host, all they did was come out with a statement. And I know this for a fact because we tried and other media outlets try to get interviews and they turn people down. Wow. <laughs> that was outrageous. You need to explain yourself. Every other sport does that. Can you imagine if the basketball committee chairman just did not do any interviews? Yeah. It's like, no, we're good. Them? I mean, get out of here. So I think that's the next step for the sport is I think we need to get people in there that follow the sport and take it seriously and don't take it as, oh, I just got to do it because it's part of the job description and I was right. you know, invited to do it. And I feel like sometimes that does it. And I think, I think we have to add some criteria because 
maybe I, I know this. There's a lot of backlash, and I've gotten this on the podcast, and I've gotten it on social media. People are tired of all every SEC team getting in. Is the SEC a great league? Absolutely. Nobody denies that. But I think they're bothered by the fact that's the this is the only sport where literally every team in the conference gets in and gets yeah. in comfortably, gets yeah. in comfortably. Where and it's just just head scratching. I think we have to resolve that, and we'll hopefully we'll figure that out in the near future. Thanks for your time, Eric. I always appreciate your insight and perspective, and hope we get to see you at the College World Series. All right, but good luck. Uh, yeah, I always enjoy being on with you. I appreciate it very much, man. And we'll uh, we'll talk soon. I think today's podcast has been fun because it's allowed us to really look at a lot of different angles of this sport, not just the Sooners, but on the TV side of things and the coverage with Kenny and the future of the stadium. And then with Eric kind of giving that broad view of the growth of the sport and what still needs to happen and kind of the challenges of the selection process. So I hope we had a little bit of something for everybody. If you if you're a diehard fan and you've been watching from the start, I hope there was something new that you took. Uh, or if you're just new to the sport because it's postseason time, I hope we were able to get you ready for the Super Regionals this week. And again, we'll be on the air at 345 this afternoon for the 4 o'clock first pitch between Oklahoma and Arkansas. I wish I could tell you more about the Big 12 baseball, but as we are taping this, Toby is on the air. So uh, the hopes are that the Sooner baseball team will be playing at exactly the same time in the Big 12 baseball tournament. So fingers crossed that that happens. So until Tuesday's edition of the Game Plan, enjoy Enjoy Super Regional Softball. Enjoy Big 12 Baseball. We'll be back with you on Tuesday. Thanks for subscribing, downloading, and listening. And Boomer Sooner, everybody. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the Air. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.